from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. A blizzard is on its way. Thankfully, John Curley's live in the field covering that for us. Alaska. Why do you <laughs> make it seem like Dr. Shivago or something out here? <laughs> well, that's what that's what Ted Beaner told us. Yeah, John. A two to five feet, yada yada. Come on yeah. here, John. Come I mean, yeah. Are, have you lost your mind yet, John? Are you uh, no, following? No, are you no. following Nick up the staircase while saying, "Wendy, give me the bat, darling." <laughs> Wendy, <laughs> it's, a, it's partly sunny. It's cold. Okay. And we're ready for whatever. They're saying, wait, now that's in the mountains. Right. So I know. we are 75 miles east of the Republic of Seattle. Uh, exit 74. Get off Nelson side and come around. Get West Side Road. And we're right off the side. Uh, that's enough. That's enough. No, that's enough. Just, just a mile, of, <laughs> mile <laughs> away. Just a mile away. You can get like eight to ten inches. But then here you might just get six, six to five. It all depends on which way it's coming through the mountains. But we're fine. Don't worry about us. We'll be quite all well, right. Well, John, I am slightly worried about you because you sent me a video of you carrying a co- karaoke machine between your legs while yes. you're playing a hollow body. I believe that was a Gretsch, if I'm not mistaken, that you were it's playing. A Gretsch, you got it. You got and it, you uh-huh. and you were doing this this thing that I a man of your age normally would break them because you're mm. 80 years old, where you're carrying this karaoke machine between your knees, yes. stepping forward, yes. and then playing a capoed Gretsch. Yes. While your lovely wife is laughing in hysterics, and I'm wondering to myself, this is cabin fever, right? Oh. This is. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to eat my neighbors <laughs> if the snow gets any deeper, right? <laughs> Hook them up with some Szechuan sauce and make them in the freezer. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, John, as your friend, I'm a little concerned for you. Here, yeah, here it is. Oh, great! This is John. That's him playing guitar. Wow! While carrying a speaker between his knees. I tell you that I found that thing at Home Depot, and uh, <laughs> everybody should get one of those things. They're the best. It was like it was in the it was a, a light part of the yeah. at the end of the rack there. You know, it's a um, what do they call those? You know, end rack. Oh, the end cap. Sale end cap. Sale. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on, John. Come on. Uh, was that the beginnings of Dear Mr. Fantasy? By the way, from traffic. <laughs> <Is> it- <laughs> John, a couple years back, uh, I was filling in for Monson, and you graciously came on because I had no idea what I was doing, and it just mm. so, it just so happened to be snowing at the time, and you mm. and you and you recollected about how you told this beautiful story that I will now butcher mm. about how doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter if you're a cop, doesn't matter. If you're a school teacher, when it snows, there's something that's very communal about it. In this very that was the story that yeah. So it was that originated because we two weeks after 9/11, we followed this woman from Aberdeen who had made this sculpture of a fireman, and she drove it right down at two o'clock in the morning, right down to the center of Ground Zero, and she delivered it. We followed her, and I talked to this chief of police that was there watching us. And I said, so what's it like? I mean, it's been two weeks. How are people reacting? Because these guys were working the pile every single day, 24 hours a day, trying to find whatever they could in there. And he, in this heavy New York accent, said, you still live here? I said, yeah. He goes, you remember when it would snow? And I said, yeah. He goes, remember, like, you'd be standing at the bus stop, like, these guys, you see these guys every single day, but no one talks to anybody, you know, like, everybody's, like, just looking straight ahead, right? I said, he goes, remember when it would snow? A word would be there's going to snow. 
Then what happens? I was like, uh, he goes, people talk, right? They talk. All of a sudden, I hear eight inches. I fall. Oh, my God. What time? When's it going to start? Everybody on the bus. All these strangers. Everybody. Oh, my God. The snow, the snow, the snow. Everyone's talking. Strangers talking, talking, talking. The snow, snow, right? Oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go, right? And he paused and goes, the snow's gone. <laughs> and I said, he goes, people on, it's, it's over. People don't. They're not talking about this anymore. I said, how can they not? He goes, oh, Upper West Side, they don't see it. We see it. We smell it every day. But life's gone on. Life's just gone on. The, the snow is gone. I thought it was incredibly poetic for this big, tough New York fireman to explain that how, you know, 9-11, you know, brought all these people together. And then, like, the snow brings people together. But then the snow's gone. Like, life has gone on for the people that lived you know, 15 blocks up, but people that are right there that still heard it and smelled it, you could still smell it and see the smoke still smoldering two weeks after the, wow. the attack. Well, but everybody on the up, like, you know, if you're up at 94th and Broadway, you know, you don't, you don't see it anymore. So the, the snow was gone. I thought it was an unbelievably moment. It's just a beautifully, just way to, way to describe it from this guy. Yeah, you I, said it was really like a nice. David Mamet play. See, that's, John is currently at Mike's Tavern. That's that phone that's ringing in the background. Mike! Oh, he just left. <laughs> that was actually, that's Sweetwater. Those are the guys that sold me the guitar. So I don't oh. know why they're calling. Maybe they want their money back or something. So, but the reason that I, I love that story so much, John, is because it is like, if I walk around the newsroom, other than people talking about Pete Carroll, it's Oh, it's going to snow. Oh, it's going to... Yeah, that's true. Communal. And there's a certain kind of uh, deeply tribal, primal feeling that people get about these major weather events that I just find to be so endearing and so genuine and so earnest. And so I appreciate it. And I love that story, by the way, John. I appreciate Thank you. you. I appreciate you. you. I remember the first time you told it, you, you did it the same way. And then at the very end of it, you went, it's kind of like a David Mamet play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that's yeah. a great, great, right. great assessment of it. All right, yeah, because yeah. those those senses of community are so fleeting. Yes, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and you're right when it when it hits us and we all have a commonality, whether it's your favorite coach getting canned by the Hawks or the <laughs> a, a, a dumps coming in the mountains. You know, yeah. it's got some. They're all tied together, but then when it's gone, we scatter to the wind. John, did Everybody you happen goes. to did you happen to catch my rant about Alaska Airlines? Because I said that I was still going to fly Alaska because I've, I've had nothing but positive experiences on Alaska. It's the only mm. airline that I like to fly. They don't endorse me to say that, but I just every time I fly, I choose to fly Alaska because I just like the service. I like the customer service. I like the airline. I like the seats. I like everything mm -hmm. about them. So I said this wasn't going to change my opinion at all. And I wanted to defer to you because you fly so much. Eventually, you will have enough radiation from the sun in your body that you'll be able yes. to transform into a giant green creature whenever you get mad. So <laughs> what is this is the idea that a, a security panel that has been bolted blowing off of a plane? Does that change the, your thoughts no. about flying? Not at all. I'll use my father's analogy. He used to say all the time, the best day to go to a restaurant is right after the Board of Health is closed. Today. Ah, yes. <laughs> as soon as it reopens, it will never be cleaner. The chances of another one of these things happening slim Seriously? to none. I thought it was really <laughs> disconcerting that four bolts were missing. I think two were on there, but they say four missing altogether. So, uh, you know, Alaska's going to look at this and Boeing's going to look at it, you know, who ends up, you know, getting in trouble for it. But I said the same thing. I, I'm a huge Alaska Airlines fan i have 150,000 miles of, of um i'm an mvp flyer because i have no life <laughs> i love those guys i love flying with them all the time and they you know somebody has to be held responsible for 
who didn't put the bolts on or why the bolts come off in the first place. Have but, you uh, guys have you guys seen that they're blaming women for this? That there was excuse this, me? This, why? Yeah, there's this there's this movement no. on Rosie the Riveter didn't tighten him down enough? Yeah. <laughs> no, <there's laughs> Is that this, what you're saying, really? Okay, so there are certain actors out there in social media. I shall not name them, but sometimes their names rhyme with Christopher Rufo. And they put out <laughs> ideas that go like DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is the reason why these cat these catastrophic events happen because Mm. there are individuals who don't belong in certain positions who then get jobs that they shouldn't have because of DEI. And then these catastrophic events happen. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't know that many women who, if they're approached with the, who have an entire career in nuts and bolts and welding and so on and so forth. I don't know how many of those women that specifically choose to go into that field are diversity hires. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. There's no quota to be filled. And by the way, bolts are tightened to a required tension, pressure. Right. Strength. It's not like, you know, do it as hard as you can there, Betty. Right. Yeah. You know, and then yeah, we'll yeah, have yeah. Bluto come over afterward and tighten him down a couple more. <laughs> that ain't how it works in the, in the airline manufacturing industry there. Have you not heard yeah. this, John? This is the new thing on Twitter right now. It's all women's fault. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear that. I don't know it's w- that women were somehow responsible. But, yeah, but Spike's right. Somebody checks it, and you're right. It's got to be screwed in. The question is, Is did they loosen for some reason with the way they were mechanically designed to go in there with the plug in the side of the thing? Who knows? And then Alaska is checking it. United's checking them to see if the same thing happens. So well, to your of point, all the John, flights, it's still incredibly safe. It's yeah. the best way to fly or best way to travel anywhere is by plane. And it'll never be safer than it is today. You're right. I mean, yeah. it's going to be moving forward, those would be the tightest bolts on the plane. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Bar after, none. After flight 261, the Alaska Airlines flight that crashed, and Alaska was found, the maintenance records weren't good on the jack screw. They completely revamped everything, how they were covering um, the maintenance, the the budgeting, and everything else. They got their, their hands slapped hard. They took responsibility for the for that crash, and they changed how they double-check and triple-check things. So they're on it. Certainly no airlines wants to be the one that you know causes some sort of tragic accident or have something fly off. So... It's always in their best interest to have that thing fly as safely as possible because those are their people on board as well. When they give the uh, the seatbelt talk pre-flight nowadays, do they just show this video, <laughs> save everybody a lot of time and trouble, and wow. say it's up to you guys? But this is what. Hey, this, listen. This is why we say sometimes the panel will fly off. You never know. You don't want to be the guy. Who doesn't believe me on this. Somebody will find it and they'll sell it for five hundred dollars on eBay. Like I gave it back to the FAA, by the way. Should have sold it on eBay. I'm telling you, would have made a fortune. So, I uh, used to I always used to wear a suit every time I flew, just out of respect to people around me. And I looked so much <laughs> like the guy. You know the the, the mask you're supposed to put on. You know mm-hmm. the face of the guy. There's the guy. He's got a suit on. Looks like he's from like 1960s. Yeah. And they they hold it up. The flight attendant holds it up, explaining. You know, you put the mask on first, and then the age of child. You were, I was like, look at little Matt. Hey, look at that. Looks just like me. I know but why. I was just, yeah, I was just watching just for that. Whenever the flight attendant would give the instructions, I know why John was wearing those suits. It's because those the flight attendants. They see a sharp oh, yeah. dressed man there. Better service. Sharp dressed man. Yep. One. If I'm looking first for class. a gal, if I'm looking for a gal in her seventies, that's got a sturdy <laughs> ankles, <laughs> sensible <laughs> shoes. Yes. Yeah, buddy. And lots of. 
lots of free miles in Alaska. Yeah, man, right all the there, peanuts baby. I want. Got that. Pot. Here's a question. Yes, as sir. A performers, do the three of do the three of you uh, that you're learning your as well? <laughs> do you guys can do you guys pay attention to the flight attendant? I try to give them like. Because no one else is, and I'm like, that's eh, kind of a performance, and I'm looking at him. Like, even though I know the instructions, I just I think it's nice to do that. I feel just, a little guilty when they're talking to no one. <laughs> I will say this. I was on a flight. I was on an Alaska flight specifically, and there was a flight attendant who was clearly very gay. And I mean that in the best way, Paul. I mean, he was very effete. He was very and very proud about Animated. it. Animated. Yeah. He had the yeah. he had the, the, the pin on, the rainbow yeah, sure. pin, the whole nice. night. Theatrical. Uh, very theatrical. Yeah. And there was, uh, in directly in front of him, there were three kids who were flying in a row, and then there's mom and dad in the row right next to them. And he gave the safety performance just to those kids, and it was the it was the sweetest five minutes I have ever seen. Wow. I was enwrapped because I'm basically a child as well. So he's making silly faces and he's showing them how to buckle the seatbelt. He's pretending like he can't do it right, and then they were like, mm. "Do it like this," and he was like, "Oh, like this," and everybody's laughing again. Why I love Alaska so much, but besides besides the point, I. It is an act, right? They are trying They're to get people's yeah. attention. And that yeah. gay guy gave probably the best. <laughs> I was paying it. I was hooked on it. It was it was like is I was enamored with the drama that he was unfolding in front of the five year olds and myself. So. I, I got to admit that I don't pay attention anymore because you're a bad person. Well, I've, I've been through it. I know, I know the drill. I know the importance. I'm not I'm not shirking the rules. Right. But, John, to your point, I, I don't give them the attention they deserve. And I should. <laughs> I, I, should. Just, I just feel bad for them. It's like one yeah. minute, one minute, 30 seconds. You know the thing, but they're looking out and they're showing you where the exits are and people are all looking down. I don't know. And they just, go back to the jump seat dejected like a guy who just bombed at the comedy <laughs> shop. I didn't like how Southwest Airlines had their little comedy routine. Yeah, I always felt I, sorry. I yeah. felt sorry for the other flight attendants because like, oh, my God, I could hear this joke for the one millionth time. Right, yeah. right. Our, and they didn't our, always hit. Yeah, they were always. Well, because mm. it was always the same routine that was written by a bunch of hacks who couldn't write for the Saturday Night Live. I remember one of the jokes very clearly was, our in-plane movie is whatever it was. And then uh -huh. if, if you're on the wing of the plane, your in-flight movie is gone with the wind. I heard that joke. <laughs> I don't know. I heard that joke. I don't know how many times because my grandparents hated us at ch as children, so they always made us fly Southwest because they wanted mm. to torture us. Ouch. So <laughs> I, that would be an endorsement I would be glad to turn down. No, thank you, Southwest. So, John, your son Rye, uh, yes. uh, Rye Roller, yes. yes, he does broadcasting for uh, local sports. And there was this, there was this K O K O Z I. Your ticket to great sports. And Dave Ramsey playing in the background, ever so softly, <laughs> when you listen right. to this broadcast. Yes. yes. So there was a lot of hullabaloo about the uh, the Michigan's national title and how the officials really worked over the Huskies. Have you ever spoken to Rye about the ethics of him as a broadcaster? Have you ever talked, chatted with? <laughs> is it bad? Is it, is it bad form to 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 bitch about the officiating? When you've taken a loss. Is that something you've shared with Rye or DV? Yeah, Rye, Rye ignores all of that stuff. He says, Dad, you know, these guys are human just like everybody else. Same thing if you're watching the umpires calling balls and strikes. Understanding how the NFL and understanding how the NCAA does it, each one of these teams, if you do blow a call, and the teams do reviews on Monday, they bring them all in, they watch the, watch the films, they watch the calls. If you blow a big one, uh, especially when it comes to the NFL, you will not be the A team. 
There's the A team that does the big, big, big games, the Super Bowls, the playoffs. Those are the teams because the NFL can't have one of these guys make a mistake. So they give you a couple of warnings. They'll kick you off the A team and throw you back down and make you start over again or at least, you know, sort of move you to a C team or take you out into college or high school or something like that. Maybe not to high school. But they watch these guys because they got to make sure that they're making the right calls. So, you know, you want to blame it on one call or something. People, oh, they were they were in the bag, like Pittsburgh Seahawks, that game. There were why there were so many calls. Those referees hated Seahawks, and you know, I mean, just the Jerome Bettis farewell tour of Super Bowl Forty. Is that what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, yeah I, I hear you. I've heard it yeah. a thousand times. Right, right. right. I just, no. I always think it's interesting how keen people are to blame officials, refs, whether it's a t-ball game or the Super Bowl. It just seems like that becomes the focal point of people's ire and frustration. Well, but it's, it's, as my son would say, that's part of the game. It's the same sort of thing oh. pitcher pitcher misses goes hit the ball gets away from him it hits the bat, batter part of the game that's a mistake the umpire misses it. it inside breaks inside he calls ball it's obviously strike. that's part of the game that's part of the human impact on both mistakes and successes that move the game in one direction or another we're all part of it that's what adds sort of the you know the excitement of it well to, I, to I quote susan take. sarandon in bull durham Bad calls are part of baseball. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Mr. Wow, Curley. that was, I felt like I was in the room with Susan Sorrell. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, the fact that I took my shirt off when I did it really, I think, helped wow. sell the, the, the impression. Wow. Yeah. And Talk I, about I, 70 year old <laughs> ladies. Whoa. I am now blinded for the rest of my life. <laughs> Mr. John Curley, thank you so much for thank dropping you. in, my friend, and giving us the, the weather update from out there in Cleelum. And also saving me having to use my vocal cords, which are now, my vocal cords are kind of like, you ever see those weightlifters at the Olympics when they're lifting weight that they can't just they just can't Your arms do? Arms turning jello. They're like, yeah, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. basically what my vocal cords are doing right yeah. now. But we'll suffer. Jack's through playing her today. That's yeah. right. Matt Markovich coming in to talk about SB twenty one fifty, probably one of the most anti democratic actions ever posed by the House here in Washington State. Because the idea is, what if we want to retroactively take somebody off the ballot in after what- you've voted? Right. And what if his name rhymes with Donald Trump? I mean, whoops. <laughs> I mean, cheeseburger daddy. I mean, whoops. Donald Harumph Trump. Rhymes with harumph. <laughs> All right. Matt Markovich in to talk about this because this is really a, an awful bill and should never yeah. go through. But we'll discuss it with Mr. Markovich when we get back right after this. Matt Markovich joins us. Being that we wanted to discuss again, SB 2150. Well, maybe there's people who didn't hear it the first That's time. That's what I'm saying, my friend, because our we got massive turnover, very highly listened to radio program here. <laughs> so people got uh, in and out all day long. So, Matt, can you break it down for us? Basically, my understanding is that this is an attempt to remove Donald Trump from the ballot. This is a veiled attempt. Not okay. outright. <laughs> I like this. This is a veiled this attempt. Is a, by, the, by a couple of Democrats, uh, namely... The lead sponsor on this bill, HB 2150, House Bill 2150. Lead sponsor is Representative Christine uh, Reeves of Federal Way, Democrat. And she makes no bones about it that she believes Donald Trump is guilty of insurrection and because of the 14th Amendment should be disqualified from running from office. It's an argument that's being used, obviously, across the country and in these ballot challenges and whether or not he should be on the ballot. So now... As of right now, brand new today, uh, this bill was introduced in the state legislature. 
basically lining up reasons why someone should be disqualified from running for office, including the primary. Uh, we have a primary March 12th presidential primary, which all the names were submitted yesterday. And by the way, if you wanted, I didn't know if you knew this. I looked up the election law. Since they were submitted yesterday, any citizen in the state can now challenge all, any name on that ballot until tomorrow. Oh, you can go to the secretary's challenge that that person is not qualified to run for president. And then it'll go to a court hearing and they they've allowed some time to make an immediate court hearing and you can challenge it before they print the ballots. I challenge them all. I challenge them all. Every one of them. I should be on the ballot is what I'll say. Challenge them to a duel. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Do you see where Trump is challenging Haley's uh, natural naturalized citizen? He's now playing the birther card against Nikki Haley in some of his campaign stops. Well, you know, you got to you play the hits is what I like. To say. <laughs> well, and so you can do that right now for whatever in reason. Any citizen yeah. can do it. That's good. To uh, that's until tomorrow. You have until tomorrow. Uh, but in regards with this bill, uh, basically, this is giving brand new authority to the secretary of state to disqualify not just someone running for president, but someone running for senator, governor, mm. uh, representative. It's up to, and this hasn't been done before. There's two things part of this bill. The Secretary of State's basically been an administrator. They don't look into the background whether this person is 35 years of age and can run for president right. or has XYZ and, and would disqualify him or it was an insurrectionist on, on January 6th. That's not the Secretary of State's responsibility. But given this law, if it passes, it would be. They have to decide whether this person is disqualified. It also, which is the other part of this bill, brand new, never happened before in this state, gives the legislature as a group the authority to remove somebody from a ballot, including the presidential primary ballot, like on March 12th, if the body of the legislature in a simple majority vote says, nope, this person's not, should be disqualified. And it just says disqualified, meaning they could pick any reason. So uh, primarily it's focused on the 14th Amendment, but... It gives to power new powers to the Secretary of State, new powers to the legislature. And yes, this is all about Donald Trump and everybody that uh, goes past him. I, I, here's a really quick uh, from Christine Reeves on why she says it's not just all about Trump. Really important for me to kind of express to people that, yes, Donald Trump is the example, but he's not the only person out there who this could apply to. So we asked the Secretary of State's office if... How do they interpret this? I mean, they're the ones that's going to be directly affected by that. And here's what they had to say. This is uh, Derek Nunley, the executive press office. This uh, legislation would give the secretary of state responsibility for determining who is eligible to uh, run for a state or federal office. And that would be a uh, shift of responsibility. Yeah. And he basically says... It'll be up to the Secretary of State office not just to determine whether Trump in this primary election, which is 61 days away, um, they have to look at the responsibility of 375 offices. The eligibility of all the candidates in that office under this legislation is their responsibility to find out whether Jack is eligible to run. I well, am. But isn't that, isn't that already the case? Shouldn't that be the case that someone makes sure that someone who seeks public office meets the qualifications? No, for no. It? That's you as a public, as a voter to determine it's whether. Up, wait, it's up to me to decide who's got a criminal record or who is not a naturalized citizen who is not 35 years of age. No. Shouldn't people who put them on the ballot be the ones who make the determination for their qualifications? In the state of Washington, the secretary of state does not do that. Right. That's the thing about this law. This proposed law is they're doing this as a political action now. 
in the right. 11th hour before the suit. I mean, states right. like Colorado, that's already on the books. Maine, it's already on the books. Correct. DC, and they're just applying what is state law to this particular. And first off, the fact that they're not doing this on January 7th, 2021. The well, fact they're doing this three years later yeah. is what I got a real problem. This is now completely political against so Donald I, Trump. Well, I asked, I asked Reeves, what would happen if the ballot, the primary happens March 12th? Donald Trump, Trump, is Trump a, wins the primary. He then, wins the primary. Right. And then, you and then say, you, can you take action? She says yes. The ballots have already been printed and sent to voters. The number of votes that that person receives won't be published and may not be disclosed for any reason. They won't be counted. That's so, what the that's the rationale of her legislation just, is that even though he may win, if it's the last eleventh hour they determine he's disqualified, the they'll have the election, but his votes won't be counted. Talk about I'll, disenfranchising voters. Yeah, Th- that would never hold up in court. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is that I just never. I feel as if there is this. Uh, there, this is I say this is a statement of opinion, not a statement of fact for legal reasons. But there are people within this state that feel as if they know what is best for the voting population, and so they are willing to take any measure in order to do that. It's very nanny state. It's very mommy state. It's very mommy knows best. You can't go play with little Donnie because he because <laughs> he's got that weird powder all over his face and he smells like cheeseburgers. You can't play with little Donnie because he glues his blocks together and he doesn't pay his lunch money. He always the, says he wins and takes all the marbles. Exactly. Every so time you play. so this is very mommy state. And I I the, the thing is is that Americans by nature have a culture and a desire to uh, to vote for or seek to uh, uh, vote for anybody that they determine to be fit for office. And when you take that away from Americans, I don't think it matters what their party affiliation is. They don't react. I have not seen a single person on the left or the right who is what I would deem to be a reasonable human being say this is the appropriate action. No political commentator that I watch, no podcast that I listen to when I go on Reddit and I'm looking at people within Washington state or the state at large and they look at something like this, they say, why? Why? Let people vote for it. it is it something that is ubiquitous outside of maybe 5% of people in the United States? Spike is in that group of I people. Am. I am. And it's this idea that you we can take this away from you. And unfortunately, the people who say, well, what if this is going to be used against you are totally right about this. When you use the nuclear option, that's the only option available. And then you're going to get people saying, I'm not going to let Joe Biden on the ballot because of the way he handles. Well, the let, me, let me tell you about my I'll call it political analysis. I'm not going to give an opinion. That's your guys. Okay. But the political analysis of the reality of this happening is it's not going to happen. I yeah, mean, yeah. she's putting a stake in the ground, making her claim, making it public. In a time when there's this uproar across the country. So all of a sudden, wow, we're going to be right thrown in the middle of all yeah, this. Yeah. But the reality of this happening in this short session, I find it's going to be doubtful, but it's going to be discussed. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what's going to happen. That's what politics are about discussion. Send yeah. us a text at 888-973-5476. Let us know how you think about it. We'll talk about this in the next segment, because then I, I my argument, I think, will stand strong, Spike, that there are people out there who are Democrats or moderates, or whatever it is, who say, I can't stand the ground that that man shambles on, but at the same time, I want him to be on the ballot because I believe in democracy. Well, I, I think, democracy. you know, but, but contrary to that, I think laws are laws and should be put to public vote. That's what the, Then you got a lynch mob. If a guy's found innocent, but this the crowd is a doesn't weird, like... Spike, this is a weird... This is a mental gymnastics argument that is so bizarre. It, First it, gymnastics it, I've done it, in over it, 40 it, years, Jack. If a, law, if a law takes away somebody's ability to exercise a right, is that law just? 
It's not taking away the right to vote. Yes, it is. It is it, for well, the candidate well, of my choosing. If, you, if the candidate of your choosing was 18 years old, would you still think the public should have a right to vote him as president? Yeah, absolutely. If he's 18 years old, yeah, he doesn't absolutely. meet the qualifications? I don't really care. Okay. What do I care? Let's <laughs> yeah, put a cat on the ballot. I don't care. <laughs> put, put Ronald McDonald and put Scrooge McDuck. Well, well, doesn't make any difference to me. We'll take a really quick break. We'll be right back with your text messages when we get back right after this. has been giving his farewell speech from his presidential campaign now for about ballpark at 35 minutes. Yeah, cl- cl- closing on 40 minutes of him saying it. goodbye, the long goodbye. I have, We haven't been listening to any of it. We've just been watching it. And I have this sneaking suspicion that he is just bored. Look at that poor young lady in the back. She is bored out of her mind. Wow. I'm pretty sure the guy next to her has painted eyeballs on his closed eyelids. I don't think he's blinked. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. He's checking his phone now. This is <laughs> right. Well, because Christy's probably up there and he's probably going like, the buffet at Round Robin is what America is made of. You've got some <laughs> ribs. Got some delicious sweet. You gotta breathe heavy. Doesn't matter if it's chicken or ribs. Let's get what you want. That's freedom. You have baked chicken and you have fried chicken, just I'm, like America. I'm sorry. You're Mr. Christie. Lasagna on one side, and then you go around to the other side of the buffet, or you have your assistant go around for you, <laughs> and there's Chinese food on the other side, right next to the Swedish meatballs, and you can get five or six plates. Just like how in America, if you have dreams, you can have them. And if you want to wash down your lunch at Round Robin with a Welch's grape juice soda, you can do that. Or you can have a suicide where you mix all the sodas into one cup, which is what I like to do. Because I'm Chris Christie. As Patrick Henry said, give me refills or give me death. The kale in the, in the buffet originally was just designed as an accoutrement to make the rest of the Caesar saddle look more appetizing. <laughs> I avoid the whole section. Just like in America, we choose who we associate with. Right. <laughs> Freedom, right. I don't want to associate with vegetables. I don't want you to have to associate with vegetables. I don't think it's fair. Okay, Chris Christie. The, we <laughs> all know guy. why Chris Christie is doing this. Chris Christie got into the race so that he could rip into Donald Trump and make the case that Trump is not fit for office, which I think is a well and fine thing to do. Um, we have a bunch of text messages here from people that are talking about and concerned about SB 2150, which was proposed by the House, which is an awful, awful law that I'm sure will not uh, pass. But the general idea is that the Secretary of State can determine who and who is not is on the ballot, even after a primary, which is a very dubious. Yeah, I don't see how that flies right. past any kind of legal challenge so, at all. So, a bunch of text messages here. Uh, this person says, we don't vote for the president anyway, the Electoral College does. Until we make changes to that system, the state is going to go blue regardless. This is a problem, my friend, and here's why. The reason that we have the Electoral College is because we don't want to be ruled by the tyranny of the majority. Because if we went by solely popular vote across the board, Hillary Clinton would have won. Hillary Clinton would have won that election. <laughs> well, As I, a matter of fact, every Democrat would have won that election for the last oh, I don't know, thirty years. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand the necessity for the center of the country, and I, I don't mean to generalize, but 
to have a voice. And if you let just popular vote be the dictation, then coastal elites or coastal yeah. Yeah. coastal population centers, elite aside, coastal population centers will pick every candidate. And that right. doesn't seem fair either. It, so. And that's what I would say to you. So when people say we need to get rid of the electoral college, I say, OK, like I, I welcome our new Democrat overlords. And thanks for inviting Uniparty into the United States. You're Great. welcome. Here's your Thank, thanks for that. We, we finally did it. We got rid of the electoral college. And now- I am sick of six states deciding who becomes president that's really what it boils down to really what it is right and that's and that's that's how people campaign now you go to ohio michigan arizona florida pennsylvania and whatever so it's this person writes so do we then get a re-vote if they don't count those votes seems like a scam to get democrats more votes this makes no sense and makes me mad it's the gop primary (laughs) right so what are you talking about these are uh, wait you know what be nice be nice i'm gonna be nice I'm going to be calm. I'm going to channel Patrick Swayze. Thank you so much for your text message. Be nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like this one, though. It says, I thought that people were supposed to pick the politician. The politicians always seem to pick themselves. Very wise words from that text. That's some old school, yeah, the Republic, or uh, not Republican, uh, politics. That's, That's how it was. Yeah, Backroom deals. Deep, deep wisdom. Yep, yeah. A lot of spinning plates today. If you want to hear Spike and I spin plates for three consecutive hours, you can find our podcast wherever you find fine podcasts. And you can also leave us a rating on that podcast, which we would appreciate so very much. Andrew, A. Nate Connor is always an A. Appreciate my friend. It. Always an A student back there. Laura Scott, A. Spike, I'll give you a C because you did a great job with Chuck. Oh, thanks. But Thank I, only because Chuck, Chuck was here. Chuck was a, if Chuck, Chuck wasn't here, Chuck you'd get gets, an ass. I'm giving Chuck my C and his A+. <laughs> Chuck graduated with honors. Chuck, yeah, Chuck gets an A+, 4.0 GPA for donating so much. Here, my friends, is your quote of the day. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? There's no way the two gay penguins raising a baby penguin <laughs> is going to hurt any kid, regardless of their age. <laughs>